Man, God bless you. If you have your Westover app, I invite you to open it up right now. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to join me in your print Bible, we're in Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin a new series today and throughout the month entitled, When God Says No. Has God ever given you a no? We're going to talk about that this month. In preparation for that, I was, I was thinking of the times that I see no. I just was thinking about that just recently. And here are some of the signs I've seen just recently. No smoking, no entry, no shoes, no uh, shirt, no service, no bills over $20 ex- accepted at some uh, uh, places, no in-dining. There's a few places that still have that uh, restriction. No parking. The word no is potentially the most destructive word in, in our English language. No can crush a dream. It can sever a relationship. It can end a career. It can close a door. The power of, of no. Many of us were raised hearing that word probably spoken to us as kids more frequently than any other word. Our parents were telling us, and when they didn't just say no, they'd say, no, no. Have you ever noticed that? We never say yes, yes to our kids. But when it comes to them misbehaving or doing something they shouldn't, we, we bring that, that, that double affirmation, no, no. It was comedian Rodney Dangerfield had a lucrative career And he built his career on one word, no. I get no respect at all. No. I think about when I was a a kid home. I remember in the summertime, in in our subdivision, typically in the afternoon, a white truck would drive through the neighborhood, and at that time, we kids, we played outside. We weren't allowed to play in the house. Get outside, mom would say. So we created games outside. The neighborhood kids, we just gather around. But in the evening time, or excuse me, late, mid-afternoon time in the summer, you could hear this ringing of a bell, the snow cone truck. This white truck would move through our subdivision. The driver with a string out of the truck window would pull the string and there was a brass bell hanging on his truck ding 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 and when you would hear the sound of the snow cone truck if you had a quarter you could get a snow cone yeah you could you could get a snow cone for a grape or banana or cherry they had a, 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 about a dozen different flavors and if you had a quarter you could get a you could get a snow cone. But if for any reason you didn't have a quarter, if mom said, no, you can't have one today because you misbehaved yesterday, or you lost your quarter, for any reason, if the snow cone truck came by when all your friends and buddies were getting their snow cone and you were sitting there watching them as they're pumping that wonderful uh, flavor on top, but you couldn't get a snow cone, that's a That's a disappointing feeling. No, I can't have one. I want to borrow that moment for just right now. 
That kid that can't have a snow cone. There's some of us, we feel that way about God. We feel like that God has denied us goodness. Some of you think that God's not going to give you your snow cone in life. He won't bless you. He won't help you. That his goodness has bypassed you. You look at your life. And you don't see the things that you had hoped and prayed for. And you feel like that kid that can't have a snow cone. I've been denied. Many of us feel like God's word to us is always a no. We feel like that God is always saying, you know what? You should have. You should have been better. (laughs) You should have responded. You should have cleaned up your act. You should have done a better job here. And one word, no. A single syllable seems to treat us harshly. Seems to punish negligence. It seems to, it seems to remind us of our carelessness. And against the backdrop of our dislikes and our unfavorable perception of what we think God is doing in our life. I want you to know, if God ever gives you a no, it's God's protection and not God's punishment. If God ever gives us a no, God has your protection in mind and not punishment. And many of us feel like we're under the reprimand of God. Because we've got a no in the past. We feel a no in our life. Can I just put in your spirit, if God's given you a no, he's protecting you. And it's not God punishing you. Several years ago, before Denise and I pastored this church, we had sensed in our heart God was calling us to the pastoral ministry and typically, a minister, a young minister, would put together a resume and send it out to prospective churches and explore the possibility in prayer. Would, would our ministry be good at this church? And Denise and I, we sent in our resume to a church. It wasn't a big church. I think they had about 20 people at that particular time, but we saw great potential And we knew God had called us into pastoral ministry. So I sent in the information. A couple weeks went by, and I heard from them. I called, and they gave me that one word, no. That's what they said. And at that time, you, 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 you sense, okay, what's wrong with me? And what is it? You, you, you can carry that in your heart. I'm talking about a no from God is protection and not punishment. That church, that church in the next six to seven years went through about a half a dozen pastors. Three of the pastors that were at that church during that time left the ministry for a season just to recover from the conflict and the division that was in the church. And I look back and I say, oh God, you were so good. 
With Denise and I, we were just kind of kids at the time. We were young. And if we'd been placed in that hostile environment, can I tell you, God knew and God protected us by giving us a no. It wasn't God punishing us. It was God protecting us. And I want to say, if God's ever closed the door with a loan, if God ever closed the door on on a scholarship, if God ever closed a, a, a door on a job opportunity, if God ever closed the door on a promotion. God was protecting you and not punishing you. Yes, God says no, but he always does it for your best interest at heart. With that in mind, I invite you to join me in Romans chapter 8. The entire month we're going to be into this one chapter, Romans 8. We're going to begin by reading verse number one and two. And many of you that have been around the church very long at all, you're already, you're already in sync with me on these verses. You're kind of quoting and reading them in your mind because you've read these verses many times. Allow me to visit verse one and two again, can I? The apostle Paul speaking to the church, the believers at Rome said, there is Therefore, there is now, here it is, no condemnation. There is now no condemnation. In these verses, there's going to be two statements I want you to pay attention to, and I'll point them out. Let's continue. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Note that. Verse number two, because through Christ Jesus... In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Here, Scripture tells us that God gives us a no. And his no is no condemnation. It begs the question, what is condemnation? Condemnation is that, that internal punishment. Condemnation is, it, it, it's not just when, when you've done wrong, your conscience being kind of stirring that you know you did wrong. No, it's condemnation is stronger than that. Condemnation is feeling the internal punishment. It's, it's feeling like you're not good enough. It's feeling like you're not deserving enough. It's, it's the feeling that, that your heart just pulsates with this tormenting thought that you've just missed it and it can't come to you. The word condemnation, if you'll excuse the language, literally means here in the Bible verse, damnation. And in the Bible, anything that that has the label of damnation, it's irreparable. It's irretrievable. That's literally what the word condemnation means. It means it cannot be retrieved. I think about what's all over the news right now down in Miami, the condo that has collapsed. I heard just a day or two ago on the news, the remaining structure has been condemned. That was the word they used. 
The remaining structure that is still there is condemned. What are they saying? It's irreparable. It'll never be used again. It can never be repurposed. It's a total loss. It's gone. It needs to be, it needs to be done away with. That's the word. And here's what scripture says. That condemnation comes in and it pulls this down. It tells you you're undeserving. It tells you God can't work in your life. It tells you your life, your dreams, your purpose. It's irreparable. What's the symptoms of condemnation? One symptom I recognize of condemnation is when you cannot get past the regrets of your life. Your past regrets define you and control you. There's some of us. The rear view mirror of our life is now a magnifying glass. The mistakes, the, the, the miscalculation, the wrong choices, the missed opportunity, it's magnifying in your life. You are being bullied by your past. And you feel like you cannot Get past that. You can't get over that. It's the monopoly game when you pick that orange card up and it said, go directly to jail. Do not pass gold and you don't get your $200. You've gone all this way and you retrace in life and you feel like you're stuck. Your past regrets. A symptom is feeling like you're not forgiven. Oh, I see that and sense that so much with people. People that carry inside of them the sense that they're not forgiven. They've asked God to forgive them, but they can't appropriate forgiveness. They carry the, the sting and the scar. They carry the, the, the toxic poison of condemnation inside of them. Why? Because many of us think that forgiveness means forgetting. And because we can't forget the past, we feel like we're not forgiven of our past. And that's incorrect. There's things you may never forget, but you can be forgiven. What does it take to be forgiven? It's called redemption. It's called redemption. <clears throat> and here scripture says... <clears throat> Concerning condemnation, God gives us his no. There is no condemnation. Let me put it in another word. In other words, you're forgiven. You say, I don't feel for You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You, you cannot pay what Christ has already paid for. You are forgiven. You, you cannot outdo what Jesus has done. You're forgiven. There is no condemnation. And this word no in the Bible is not just a mild no. You know, they're different kind of no's. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you may go to a restaurant today or you may be at a family gathering today and somebody may, somebody may ask you, do you want, you want a little bit of this on your place? Uh, uh, no, no, not right now. That was a thinking about it. If they really talked you into it, you'd take some of their, their 
uh, potato salad or, or their pecan pie. You know, you say, you know what I'm thinking about buying this? Yeah, I don't know. It's that indecisive no. But you ever go to your parents and you ask your mom and dad if uh, you could borrow their car and drive to California and your dad looks at you and say, you got to be kidding, okay? In other words, he said, absolutely no. There's no way. I, uh, who do you think? You're, that's not going to happen. That's the word no here. The word no is, it, it could actually read like this. No, absolutely no condemnation. But I feel absolutely no condemnation. I, I, th- there's nothing in your past that's going to control your future. God is saying absolutely not. There is no condemnation to those, it says, that are in Christ Jesus. Two thoughts I want to leave with you. It's right from verse 1 and 2. The first one is, is we have to live in Christ. We have to live in Christ. Verse number 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. My admonishment, my, my encouragement to us is learn how to live in Jesus. What does that mean, living in Jesus? How do you live in Jesus? The Bible says living in Jesus is called salvation. It's when we, through repentance, we just kneel and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, uh, I want you to take control of my life. Jesus, I need your help. That's being in Jesus. It's called being a Christ follower. It's called salvation. It's redemption. Another word used in the Bible is reconciliation or justification. All of these are, that's being in Jesus. And if you're in Jesus, here's what God says. No condemnation. That's good news. I'll tell you, I love, I love John 3.16. John 3.16 is called the golden text of the Bible. If I started reading, quoting it, many of you would follow along with me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, I'm glad I'm in that whoever, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I, I appreciate that so much. I love John 3, 16. Today, you know that, educators, you know that. We do not have prayer in public school. Prayer in public school was outlawed by the Supreme Court back in the 60s. Why? A lady by the name of Madeline Murray O'Hare, she said her little boy that was going to elementary school at that time should not be compelled to be in a school in which there was prayer. And she sued the United States, went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court upheld her protest And they took prayer out of public school in the 1960s. And since that time, we owe it all to one lady who was the atheist, the voice, the poster child of atheism in America, Madeline Murray O'Hare. And it was her son, William, that was the, the lightning rod to that and the cause of that. Let me tell you the rest of the story. William O'Hare grew up. And William O'Hare became a Christ follower. He accepted Jesus as his Savior. I invited William 
O'Hare to the church one time. Several years back, he came and spoke, and he told his testimony growing up in the home of Madeline Murray O'Hara, the, the voice of atheism in America, and how he came to Christ. The very boy that was used to take prayer out of school, he came to become a Christ follower. And I still remember we were drinking coffee after the service, and I asked William and O'Hara, would you just, would you sign my Bible? But I want you to sign it by John 3 16 because every time I read that whosoever believes on him they can have eternal life nobody is outside the grace of God nobody is so far that God can't reach him and the very person that was used to take prayer out of school that boy knelt down in prayer and said Jesus come into my life and he was brought into Christ it works for everyone. It's available to everyone. I love John 3.16, but can I invite us to do something? Every time you read John 3.16, would you please also read John 3.17? Oh, it, it continues. I don't know why we read John 3.16 and we don't read John 3.17, the very next verse. It says, John 3.17, for God did not, here's that word, no, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's good news. I don't care what language you speak, what side of the fence you're on, that's good news. You come into Jesus, you come into Christ, and there is no condemnation. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that before Christ, before we came into Christ, we were excluded, we were alienated, we were on the outside, we were without God. But then it says something in verse number 13. Through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross, everyone that was outside can be brought into Christ because of his blood on the cross. Now I ask the question rhetorically, hmm, have you ever wondered what Jesus' blood type was? Huh. Am I the only one that's ever wondered that? Was it A, B, O? I don't know. What was Jesus' blood type? I don't know. But figuratively, I can tell you what his blood type is. It is B positive. Amen. Amen. He hung on the cross and the blood that dripped from his hands and his feet and his brow. He said to the world, be positive about your dreams. Be positive about your future. Be positive about forgiveness. Be positive about God's grace. He said to the world, my blood is be positive. And every time you say, no, I can't. No, I won't. It won't work for me. For every no the devil throws at you, God has a no that says no condemnation. You know, God says no to all of your no's. Isn't that good news? God says no to all of your no's. And all of you English teachers, you're tracking with me. Anytime there are two negatives, it creates a what? A positive. Anytime there are two negatives, 
it creates a positive. The devil gives you a no, and God has, he comes in and says, I'll just add my no to your no, and now it's a positive. Be positive. Be, his blood redeems us when we're in Christ Jesus. The upward pull of Jesus is stronger than the downward pull that you have in your life if you're in Christ. The second thing I share with you, not only live in Christ, live for Christ. Live for Christ. Verse number two, it says, because through Christ Jesus, the moment I repented and asked Jesus into my heart, I, I came into Christ. And because I'm into Christ, now I can live through Christ. What you think that you can accomplish, some of you feel like you're stuck. Some of you feel like you're not going. Some of you feel like, you, you, I've, I've said all the prayers. I know Jesus is in my life, but I, I feel like I'm, I can't overcome my fear. I feel like I can't overcome inferiority. I feel like I can't overcome the, the propensity, the 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 way I was raised, I, I, I have a way of thinking. I just, I'm caught in a, in a negative pattern, a cycle. You can live for Christ because Scripture says through, through Christ Jesus, you came into Christ and I'm here to say you can live through Christ Jesus. Yes. Well, help me understand that, Pastor. You come in, but you live through. Help me, help me understand that. Let me do my best. Let me do my best. Have you ever been to Sonic? You ever been to Sonic? It's not a trick question. You can, you can say yes, okay? They say, <laughs> you know, I'm not grading up here, okay? It's not a trick question. You ever, you ever been? Yeah. Denise likes going to Sonic. Denise likes Sonic Ice. Ah, ice is ice to me. Denise likes Sonic Ice. Okay? Now, Sonic has a drive-in and a drive-through. Right? The Sonic has a drive-in. And the sonic has a drive-through. I'm talking to you about the difference being in Christ and through Christ. Okay. Hypothetically. Let's say our wedding anniversary comes. Denise, I'm going to take you to Sonic. We're going to go to Sonic. So we pull in this little spot. We're in the drive-in. I roll down the window. And I touch that red button. And that box talks to me. What do you want, sir? I know what she wants. I've been married to her long enough. She wants a cheeseburger, hold the tomatoes and the onions. I wait, and they bring Denise's burger out. No tomatoes or no onions. I pay. I hand her her food. We eat it right there. You see, in the drive-in... You pull in, and you put it in park. You stay, okay? You stay. Once you're in, you stay there, okay? And we eat our meal there. Denise unwraps hers, and 
I picked the bread crumbs off of her chin. Yeah. At the end, we got one of those little peppermints. Yeah. I usually suck it till the red's gone, then I give the rest to her and she finishes out. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that, okay? That's, that's between you and I, okay? And, and, and we eat our meal, and then when we're done, we're done. But we eat it there. Coming into Christ, you say, I believe Jesus has all I need. Jesus can satisfy. I pray a prayer. You come in and you kind of put yourself in part. I'm going to stay in Christ. I'm not going to decide off and on. I'm not going to be in church and out of church, believe one day and not believe. I'm not going to follow Jesus one day and then get on the internet and Google land and somebody tells me this and somebody tells me that and some crackpot philosopher here. You stay in Jesus. You're in park. Are you with me? Okay. But Sonic also has a drive-thru. I've been through the drive-thru. I go to the drive-thru. I never put it in park. I just put on the brake. I walk up, same box will talk to me. I'll tell them what Denise wants. I'll pull up to the window. I give them uh, the money, I pay for it. They hand me the brown paper bag. I hand it to Denise. We don't sit there and eat it because now we're in the drive-through. We're not in the drive-in. If I just decided to put it in park and eat right there, I would have road rage behind me of all these people. No, it's now intended to move on. In fact, we don't eat there. We get it there, but its, it's purpose is to take and eat at another location. In the drive-through, you don't stay there. You move on. You go to your next location. You go to your destination. You see, in Christ, he tells us, you come to him, you park. And now that you're in Christ, there's this dynamic thing called the presence of Jesus inside of us that you can move on. You're now in a drive-through. You can go through the stages of life. Those kids are so cute when they're small. Right before service, I hold the baby. Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Mom will tell you, Mama, in 13 years, that beautiful baby is going to go insane. Okay, it's going to go, it's going to go through this season. Season. Yeah, every parent goes through the great tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. It's when your kids turn 13 until they're 20. That's the seven-year tribulation. And every parent goes through it. Yeah. You love them and protect them for 13 years. Then they hit teenage and you want to kill them. Ah. I mean, they will drive you insane. It'll take you through that. It'll take you through the challenges of running that business. It'll take you through the challenges of life. It'll take you through every season. God gives you something. Not that you just hold on that moment. God has it for the journey ahead. And here scripture says, there's one thing you need. Come into Christ and stay in Christ. And you get something in Jesus that will take you through the vicissitudes and challenges of life. And God will never walk out on you. And he has one no for every no 
that you face in life, God will see you through it all. So I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to encourage you. Stay in Christ and live for Christ. Would you stand together with me right now? And we're going to go into a moment of worship. I'm, I'm going to ask you to bring your heart and your celebration in this room. Church Online, join us. In whatever fashion you have, Church Online, you join us. And you just begin to declare in Jesus. God has a, God says no to all the no's the devil is throwing against you. And I speak hope and life into you because of Jesus. Would you join me with your hearts, your hands, and your worship now? Pastor Lindsay, lead us. Let's worship. <laughs>